and this is a still life. I don't know how. Like I'm reading two polar opposite books at the same time, boy parts and the still life. One is like wild, right? And the other is like still. And also on top of that, I'm also reading the beast, the beast in the jungle by Henry James for the for the third time. I think it's a short story. Anyways, I just feel like I can I can understand him more and more. And hopefully one day I can really understand what's the true meaning between the words. As I'm getting older, hopefully, it's just something. <laughs> anyway, this is a still life. I am thirty-six years old. Not me. This book. Quote: I am thirty-six years old. The first thing you will want to know, I expect, is what's wrong with me. That's always the first thing people ask. Their eyes sliding into my legs, my slump, and so I will say now that I don't know. I don't know. Hold on. <laughs> What's wrong with me? I've spent my whole life wondering too. There seems to be something different about my body. It can't control its equilibrium, its weather, movement, sensation. And sensory inputs, circulation, and cardiac control. My body responds widely to any exertion, to adrenaline, to stimulation, to changes in temperature, to its own process of digestion, blood flow, and immunity. It is a bucking horse, a frightened alien bird. My symptoms started in my babyhood. And so the "What's wrong with you?" question is an old one. That's why I need to go back through my life to tell you this story, all the way back to the beginning. These days, right now, I feel it as a squeezing, heavy pain from my waist down. My heart relies on the piece, pace-making drugs to stop it racing me into unconsciousness when I stand or move. All day long, my body lurches into responses of too little or too much, in unpredictable, laughable ways. The hours fill up with extreme physical responses, and with sudden, profound fatigue, energy pours out from me. I can't keep it in. I will suddenly stop. And crumple like a puppet with its strings cut, and then I can't get up again. Activity, food, light, sound, stress, needing the toilet, even gravity, excitement, surprise, laughter, crying, fear. It sounds ridiculous, and it is. All the normal aspects of a human life throw my nervous system into confusion, and all have a cost. Or hurt or overwhelm me, I can only write it, write my life, holding on while I try to shape my days and my time into something more interesting and more dignified than all this. I move slowly through it. For the last few years, I've only been able to walk a dozen steps here and there. I don't understand why more is not possible, but more results. In the kind of pain I can't talk through easily, lasting for hours, days, the kind that stops you dead. More result in exhaustion and tachycardia, sickness and unconsciousness. 
and the cacophony of all my most unpleasant symptoms. I live around gentle bursts of choice and exertion, continually paced, evaluated, adjusted. Every day a little different, every day new. Things haven't always been as bad as this, but they have been sometimes before now. Like a wheel turning, there are times in my life when the grip of it loosens for a little while. At least that's how it it's worked before. It's just that before long, something takes hold again. I have learned that this is simply how it is, and that it's best to get on with life privately and quietly, to let progress and change happen slowly. You avoided too much judgment that way, and there has often been plenty of that. What I experienced have been called many things over the years by different doctors at different times. Depending on their speciality, and what tests they run, and how they view bodies like mine, dysautonomia, POTS, P-O-T-S, M-E, or chronic fatigue syndrome, C-F-S,、uh, F-N-D,、uh, that was、um, functional neurological disorder, functional gastrointestinal disorder, F-G-I-D. Sensory processing disorder. I have learned with deep shame at times that these names passed backwards and forwards down my medical history mean very little in any tangible sense, and so I struggle to know what to do with them. They describe the effects but not cause, because doctors don't fully understand the processes at work. When strangers in the street ask me, "What happened?" And gestured at all of me. I never know what to say. Where would I begin? None of the descriptions offer much explanations or support, and some carry heavy stigma. Some therapies and medications seem to work for a while. Others make it all much, much worse. So it's not easy to talk about these either. Any talk of cures is a matter of guesswork and luck. And how patient and willing your doctor is to help you—that's often a matter of luck too. For the most part, I must manage things on my own. I do everything I can to keep my mind healthy and helpful. I try to see clearly. I focus hand-on the things I can control, however small. I focus on the world around me, on living and living and living. I make a good, rich life. I avoid questions. I let go of the rest. What else is there to do? It doesn't matter here. In any case, this is not a book about the true nature of these names, whether they are real illnesses, as some have long contested. Which of them I have or don't have, or why I have them in the first place. It is simply about the life I have lived through all of it, and about the life I live now. The miracle is perhaps that I am still here, that I continue, and that despite all that's come before, I believe my life to be good. That is the truth hidden under all of this. That I am deeply happy to be alive. Usually, when you are unwell, people expect one of two stories: either you get better, you beat it, or you get worse or die and die. 
stories of everyday living and undramatic, sustained existence. Stories that don't end with cures and tragic climaxes, but that are made up of slow, persistent continuation as you learn and change. Stories about what happens then. They may be harder to tell, but I believe they are important too. I believe we need to tell more of them. This is why this year I decided to be brave. I decided I would try to find a way to tell my story, to paint it down and spread it out in front of other people, in front of you, so we could look at it together. On the first of January, I made the resolution to try and write down my confused and searching past, and the quiet days of my present. Simply, honestly, and ignore the voice inside me that continues to tell me it is a worthless, unimportant story to tell. I have barely told a soul of it before. It was always too much to explain. I was always too complicated, and I have felt too flawed and vulnerable in complexities.、Yeah, jumble. My life has made it easy to hide, and so I have. But I don't want to be something small and hidden anymore. Mine is only one ordinary human life amongst countless similar others. But it is a life that doesn't leave anything out. Not grief, not pain, not delight, failure, confusion, nor joy. It holds and embraces all of it equally, and that I have learned is nothing ordinary at all. Here then are two stories: a slow life and a slow year intertwined. I give both to you, along with any hope and meaning you can glean from them. So take my hand and walk with me. Through my year, through my life, let's see if we are the same at the end of it. Josie George, 2018. Cut, roll. <laughs> I let my gaze follow one spot of light to the next, and I know that this will be today's obsession—a way of moving through this first day of the year, a day that always feels odd, when I will wonder again who I am. I look down as my numb hands and my fingernails turn to mirror balls. I have to stop myself from playing the air, like a pianist, as I sit on a stool in the kitchen and wait for the toast to pop. My son's laughter drifting through the house, stopping, and then starting again. All morning, I do it. As I dress, as I rest again, holding on to the furniture as I go. I find willing lines of light along edges in leather and wood, squinting my eyes to make them flare. My secret firework show, cut and roll. The true gift of it comes only as I finally close my eyes, exhausted, throbbing, buried deep in my bed again, against the winter chill. I find every moment of light caught behind my eyelids. They flicker back into being soft and enduring in the dark, to make a private night sky. I fall asleep on the stars. I need you to trust me. This is a good way to start the year. Cut and roll. What are you doing? A third voice says. Dark laced boots drawing closer to my bent head. I look up 
and she's tall and sharp with a kind of tight mouth that waits in readiness to be appalled. I was just taking photos. There are lots of ice today, I say, smiling. Oh, I see. Good for you. These roads are dreadful, aren't they? I've always thought someone should do something about them. Such a state. Oh, that's not what I meant. I return. Too late, as she strides past me, neck long. Her pace doesn't slow as her heel splinters another puddle with a crunch. I wait a while for the coast to clear, and then I grin, devilish, and make my way over to look at that one too. Cut and roll. Then, my dad, his hair thinner, a paper spread out on his lap. I believe that's how it went. I remember Mom guiding me back and sitting at the end of my bed, under the canopy, gently talking me through the relaxation exercise that started at my head and ended at my feet. Her voice soft. That's it. Just breathe in, nice and slow. Now long breath out. She breathed with me. I'd feel the warm energy of my attention move around my body. I was always good at this, good at following instructions. Go to sleep, arms. Go to sleep, back. Go to sleep, legs. It was like a game. By the end, when she would tiptoe out, her quiet exhale lingering after her, I'd be still and serene. In the shared relief of it, I didn't like to interrupt the finality of the moment to tell her that、uh, the pain hadn't gone, so I'd just try and float on it, like a flotsam, until slowly, slowly, sleep would come. Long after the line of the light around my half-open bedroom door had gone out, I kept that bed for over twenty years. Sat by it with my own restless child. Pause and roll. I thought it sounded like waves on the shore. They told me that I was bright and willful and happy child, but rarely comfortable. Colic spasms through my thin body, long past the age it was supposed to. And when I fell or hurt myself, it'd be impossible to soothe for hours, shaking with the intensity of it. Even before we moved, I had begun to be passed around the pediatricians in a rhythm of appointments. As I grew, there were special diets, particular plates of food at my friends' birthday parties that I learned to shake my head at politely, endless sheets of paper carrying stars and faces designed to chart my ailing digestion. Cut and roll. You think someone who has always found movement difficult would have finally evolved to be a sedentary, restful creature, happy to circle the nest? But I haven't. I am still a wonder, right the way through to my middle. I spent all day testing the edges of my tether, just in case it has stretched a little again, because you never know. And I am not afraid. Sometimes. I bundled myself up with a cardigan over my jumper, and the coat over that, and I walked the short backyard path up and down, sitting on a hot chair by the gate until I'm ready to go again. Most of the time, I just walk around the house or 
walk to the door and open it and look, walk and rest, walk and rest, a few steps at a time. Some days, I get so angry, I want to throw my life at the wall, but I have learned to breathe through that and walk and rest some more. I do it over and over until I fail the day. If I could unhook my body from my wheel, I will cover leaks within minutes, but I can't. So, and so all the energy must find another way out. Cut and roll. Much of the nature writing and poetry I read talks of connecting yourself to yourself and to the land by walking, exploring, and by rediscovering wildness. But what if you can't walk and can't leave? What then? What if your wildness is dead roses and walled yards, mosey rooftops, and cold neighbors? Cut and roll. There are days when I can't help but feel such envy. There are days when I watch the world go about its activities through the windows of my house and the screen of my phone and the open door of my front room, my neighbors pulling away in their cars and I burn with longing. Oh, all things they must see, I think. But even then, a voice inside of me whispers back in challenge, in defiance. Ah, but Joe, think of all the things they must miss.